Good morning, I'm Annika Colbert. It's Thursday, June 2nd, the Task Force on Reparations Report. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A COVID-19 indoor and outdoor mask mandate is back at the South Bay Union School District. An uptick in cases prompted the superintendent to reinstate the mask mandate until the end of the school year. That's only a little more than a week away. Oscar Guerrero was wearing a mask when he picked up his younger brother from Nikolov Elementary in San Isidro. I feel most, more safe to not get the virus. Yeah, and it's better for the kids, you know, so they don't get sick and don't come to school and lose more um, more days to learn. South Bay Union officials say they hope COVID-19 numbers drop over the summer, so masks will be optional when they return for classes in the fall. More than half of the child abuse reports made by counties in recent years were not in a statewide database. That's according to state auditors. The unreliability of the state database could result in child abusers being allowed to care for children and otherwise puts children at risk. The state's database is used by state and county social services and welfare departments, adoption agencies, medical workers, and agencies conducting background investigations. State auditors found that state officials did not always put county reports into the database and that counties did not always send their reports to the state. SDG&E started its Conservation Incentive Program on Wednesday. It rewards customers with a discounted bill for reducing energy use on days when there's high demand for electricity. Customers enrolled in the Power Saver Reward Program will be notified a day before they'll be asked to conserve. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. The first report from California's Reparations Task Force was released on Wednesday. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer has a look at the 500-page report and its recommendations. Support of slavery, segregation, and racial terror are just some of the harms perpetuated by the state, according to California's first-in-the-nation task force on reparations for African Americans. The report calls for action to address those wrongs. Task Force Chair Camila Moore says the recommendations include expanded voter registration, making it easier to hold violent police accountable, and improving black neighborhoods. So in this first report, we're really just documenting the harms against the African-American community. But in terms of compensation, we still have to have conversations about that. The draft report does not provide a comprehensive reparations plan, which is due to lawmakers before July 1st, 2023. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
From homelessness to mental illness to law enforcement oversight, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria is working on a number of the city's most serious and contentious issues. He spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh yesterday. Here's that interview. Now, this year's regional count on homelessness found the population of unhoused people has grown in the city by about 9%. And this is after a 25% increase in shelter beds and new outreach teams sent out to provide support and services to homeless people. What else can the city do? I always want to encourage San Diegans to think about the point-in-time count as a fairly imperfect count. From my perspective, it's difficult to account for every uh, unsheltered individual in just one night. That said, whatever the number is, we have to be doing all that we can to serve this population uh, that has an impact on all of us. You know, this is not just the concern of the unsheltered individual. It's the concern of the business owners uh, that are affected by encampments in front of their business, neighborhoods uh, that are distressed by seeing very vulnerable people out on the streets. What the city needs to do uh, is to continue to expand our street outreach efforts citywide to grow the number of shelter beds that we have in our system in order to get people off the streets quickly, and then to grow the amount of permanent supportive housing we have in the community, because that's uh, where folks who are in our shelters need to transition into a more stable environment. Beyond that, what can we do differently? One of the things I'm most encouraged about is the changes that are being recommended for behavioral health reform in the state. Conservatorship reform and Governor Newsom's Care Corps proposal, I think, would present significant new powerful tools that we could use to address some of the people that San Diegans are most concerned about. These are people who are seriously mentally ill, who are suffering with substance use disorder, uh, and for whom we don't have terrific interventions currently. I think this would represent a significant change to the status quo that would help us to transition many more people off of our streets, people who are frankly destined to die on our streets if we don't make a different choice. Uh, I'm helping to lead that conversation, working in tandem with Governor Newsom and Senator Susan Eggman, and I'm hopeful, in fact, I'm optimistic that we can actually get this done this legislative year. Mayor, there's also another aspect of how the city deals with people with mental health issues. Earlier this year, a San Diego police officer was involved in the shooting death of Yan Lee, a woman who was likely suffering a mental health issue. How is the city working to stop these deadly police interactions? We've partnered with the County of San Diego to participate in their mobile crisis response teams. Uh, This is a new tool uh, that has not been previously available uh, to our our city, and we're making use of that. Uh, We continue to have the psychological emergency response teams, and we're doing uh, what we can to recruit uh, and retain high-quality police officers and train them uh, in things like slowing down and and trying to take the situation and intervene the best way possible. There are certainly instances uh, where we have concerns and those situations are investigated and, and reported upon uh, but, uh, you know, in, in these situations where we have folks who are uh, attacking officers or uh, creating to situations and, uh, you know, we have to have a response. My hope is that we can always do it the best that we can. But often in these situations, we're presented with urgent situations where we need to take action and we may not always get it right. Um, I think uh, our commitment is to make sure that we're transparent when those situations happen, um, that we disclose that to the public and we hold folks accountable if they didn't follow priority. 
priorities and policies. Uh, we are close to finishing the implementation of the uh, Citizens uh, Review Board, uh, Independent Review Board uh, that voters approved uh, back in 2020. Uh, my hope is that we can have that in place so that you have that independent review for these situations and uh, so the public can have confidence uh, that when mistakes are made, that those are looked at closely and that uh, uh, accountability is had uh, when it's appropriate. I've been speaking with San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria. And Mayor Gloria, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Maureen. Thank you. And that was KPBS's Maureen Cavanaugh. Coming up, the skyrocketing housing market is just one more crisis for San Diego County's child care providers. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another hasn't. This is Port of Entry. The Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcasts and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. East County Water Districts broke ground on Wednesday on a new water recycling plant. They say it'll provide 11.5 million gallons of purified wastewater a day. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge has more. The Santee plant, due to be completed in 2026, will take wastewater that is normally treated and dumped in the ocean and turn it into water that's clean enough to drink. The Padre Dam Water District is one of four water agencies that are partnering to build and operate the new water plant, which they say will cost $950 million. Outgoing manager of the Padre Dam District, Alan Carlisle, says plans to expand the plant and inflation have added to the cost, but he says once it's built, ratepayers will see plenty of savings. In other words, if we do nothing, what are we going to pay for water and what are we going to pay for wastewater services compared to what those, those services will cost if we do this project? Carlisle says recycled water will soon make up 30 percent of East County's water. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. We all know rents and housing prices are skyrocketing, and that market is becoming just one more insurmountable challenge for San Diego child care providers. KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser explains. A dozen young children sit in a circle on the sun-speckled lawn of Liberty Wind's home child care in Carlsbad. We are Oasis, mighty, mighty Oasis. After singing their school song, she dismisses them one by one to leave the circle, visit the potty, 
and then pick out their snacks. Okay, how about Zayden? Z-A-Z-E-N! The idyllic scene belies the more than two years of turmoil Wynne has faced in the age of COVID. She was forced to close when the pandemic first hit in March of 2020. She wasn't able to reopen for two months. And then within two weeks, we got the eviction. Her landlord said he was moving back into the home Wynne was renting. She frantically searched for a new place where she could both live and have her childcare business. She ultimately found the building in Carlsbad. But it wasn't suitable for a daycare. So Wynne had to take out a federal emergency disaster relief loan and spend $20,000 on the property. I had to put a lot of the, the loan money into this place because it's on a lake. It's lovely, it's gorgeous, but it was a, a huge risk. Her lease will be up this summer and Wynne just received more bad news. Her landlord has plans to turn the property instead into a luxury Airbnb. So Wynne is out of business again, this time permanently. So our last day is August 26th. Oasis of San Diego will be ending. This historically tight housing market has created a crisis on top of a crisis for childcare providers. First, the pandemic walloped the already fragile industry. State data show that one in eight childcare businesses temporarily closed during the past two years. And now many are struggling to reopen due to staggering rental costs. It puts them, it puts the providers in a terribly vulnerable position. Laura Cohn is a long-term early education expert. The childcare provider is totally dependent on that rental situation for their livelihood and that moving the business would be incredibly disruptive to a lot of parents and families, as well as to the provider's business. Without government funding to help providers, childcare availability will continue to decline, says Kim McDougall, who runs childcare for the San Diego County YMCA. The funding mechanism for childcare is, is truly broken, and the way we have built our, our economic model is truly broken, and that's something that we really need to address going forward if we're going to solve the childcare crisis, because parents can't pay more, providers can't charge less, and it's never going to match up without public subsidy to close the gap. Can, can, can I be the captain? Yeah. What are you guys playing? A subsidy certainly would have helped win in Carlsbad. She will have to pack up or sell everything, from the art supplies and tiny tables and chairs to the aquariums holding snakes and turtles. And all of the money she put into the property will be lost. I am. I'm so grateful to have found my calling and um, have a business that was flourishing, and, and I seem to, to be in my element. So that's, that's just the best, something I could do until I'm 80. Um, but there's no, I mean, you know, if I really think about it, there's just, I'm just quite vulnerable and that's what I'm noticing. The kids at her school and their parents will have to find new care when Wynn moves. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.